Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. listening to Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is a show about life's inflection points hosted by me, Asha Saluja. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, or how we tap into our intuitions. And we'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate, or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I have a guest tell me about all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We'll start with birth, fast forward to their first big decision, and map out the road their lives have taken as a series of these inflection points or junctions. But today's very special guest has flagged to me that he wants to do something that I've always thought would be way more fun for this show if I could only make it work, which is to talk about only one big decision, the one defining decision of his life. Um, So I'm really excited to get into that with you. Amit, welcome to the show. Hi. Can you first give us a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah, so um, I live here in New York City um, from... Born and bred in New York, actually. Uh, I uh, for for work for business. I uh, I run a digital marketing agency, uh, Oak Digital, which I started uh, about uh, a little over three years ago. Uh, and uh, I also am a co-founder of a platform which we started earlier this year called Soul Collective. Talk. Give me give me an elevator pitch on Soul Collective. Soul Collective uh, started as a passion project, uh, still is a passion project, um, but is taking on a different life of its own. Um, what is it? So Soul Collective is, uh, in essence, breaking it down uh, at its barest entity, is a uh, platform to uh, discover conscious events and communities uh, right now in New York City. Uh, so the... The goal and mission came from a, uh, a personal mission, but the mission really is to connect people with like-minded people um, who are looking to grow uh, their social circle uh, as well as their own uh, 
um, kind of spiritual practices and, and, and boundaries in that sense, um, and connect them with the various uh, communities and events that uh, exist in New York. So, not to get too spoiler alerty, but is starting Soul Collective the big decision we're going to be talking about today? Yes, Great. it is. <laughs> so, I had a feeling, even though you didn't tell me ahead of time. I just, uh, yeah, so Amda and I know each other from an event we went to together, uh, the, the sound retreat uh, put on by Maha Rose Upstate, and I've had um, a recent guest as well, Chicago, who I met because of this same weekend-long retreat. And uh, when you talk about conscious events and helping people um, meet like-minded people and attend sort of conscious and even spiritual events together, I feel like you're talking about this specific subculture that's developing in New York, but that might be have existed in other places in America for a long time, like this is kind of a West Coast ethos that is finally taking root in New York and and uh, making its way into a broader circle of people. That's very true. I mean, if you look at uh, trends, uh, if that's what you want to call, if that's what you want to call it, or movements that kind of come out of California or LA, um, they get kind of uh, born over there, um, and then they eventually get moved over to New York and then put on New York steroids. <laughs> mm, that's really interesting. And especially something like these types of communities events have maybe were initially in a place like LA first, um, but they're uh, expanding much more rapidly uh, in New York. Um, and especially because it's the, the mentality of New York uh, to supercharge everything. And also um, the density of population, but particularly the fact that New Yorkers need it the most. Mm, uh, yeah. The, the, it's a pressure cooker, New York. Um, so it's not a relaxed mentality. Um, and then even when there's that kind of off time to not work or not be accomplishing something, uh, that's done very hard as well. Yeah. Um, so it's going to continue to be done hard. Um, it's going to continue to uh, be uh, a very uh, produced uh, environment um, because New York's the city of opportunity. Mm. Um, but the the question is, what is that activity and what are those people in those communities going to be like? How are you going to spend that time? Fascinating. I'm excited to get more into that. Um, but... The rule of this show is the first question. Tell me about the circumstance into which you were born. You already told me you were born in New York City. So is it fair to say you've been pressure cooking since you came out of the womb? Fair to say. I grew up in Long Island, which is its own type of uh, pressure cooker. Um, you know, very city-minded type of people just happen to be living in suburbs. And then I went to uh, university in Washington, D.C., George Washington University. So that was definitely not a relaxed uh, campus style of environment. Uh, I mean, you know, my best friends uh, in school were from uh, Athens, Amman, Dubai, Oman, New York City, uh, Maryland, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. Yeah. So very metropolitan type of people and environment. Cool. 
Um, see, normally I'd, I'd dig into a decision there, but I'm going to resist that urge because we have one pivotal decision to focus on. I, I, so, can, t- I, I can tell you about a little decision there. If, if I can, I can break. No, it's okay. okay. I, I, I'm liking this. Okay. So, and you know, we might end up having to go back to there to trace the root of this decision that we're going to talk about. Sure. So set the scene for me of when earlier this year, or maybe it started earlier than that, that you decided to found Soul Collective. So uh, it did start earlier than that. It was uh, years uh, in the making. I'd been thinking about creating um, some sort of community, um, really like a a guide, like a directory, um, and and kind of a, a place to put all these uh, interesting kind of more conscious, uh, high frequency, high vibration type of people had been meeting uh, in one place. Um, so we already have to back up before you wanted a directory of events like this. And uh, for those listening at home who haven't quite caught on with the L.A. New York thing we're talking about, the kind of events I'm talking about in layman's terms are like yoga, meditation, um, sober dance parties, uh maybe sound baths, like this very particular sort of like alternative spiritual set of practices um, that New Yorkers, or at least, and and probably people elsewhere too, like to make into a social gathering. Yeah, I, w- I would just attack onto that. I would say there's a conscious intent, mm. right? So you can get together people um, in an environment and just have them sit around um, and they can still get together. But when you're basing the intent, infusing one of those types of modalities into some sort of the programming of the event, you know that everyone there is either raising their vibrational frequency or looking to do that. And so you already have one thing, one common thread with them. Interesting. Um, I want to do an aside about raising your vibrational frequency. I'm very curious what you have in mind I guess these two questions relate to one another. When was the first time you experienced or went to an event like this just as a participant? Because it had to have been much earlier than you were at the stage where you were like, all right, I love these things and I want to build a catalog of them. Like what was the first time you dipped your toe in that water? That's a good question. Uh, One of them trying to remember the, the first one, but one of the first ones was, uh, as you said, one of those dance parties without substances. Uh, it was an ecstatic dance party, uh, as it's called, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the the the, uh, the format that's pretty global right now um, and pretty big in a lot of cities, especially if you look at cities like San Francisco, other places. Um, the format of the, that type of party is people get together, um, there's some sort of modality practiced. Um, the last one I went to, for example, was uh, an hour of Qigong, which I got introduced to, which was unbelievable. Um, really, really fell in love with that type of practice, just learning about it there. Um, and everyone went around, introduced themselves, talked about what their intent was for the evening and how they were feeling. So you're breaking down barriers, you're, you're, you're laying down intent right in the beginning and setting up a certain vibe. And then what it goes into is dance and people begin, DJs come on and there are rules. Uh, Rules are no talking on the dance floor, um, no cell phones, 
on the dance floor. Um, just, just dance, which is a very important part of human tradition and something that's built into our code uh, from the beginning of time. So that's an important thing to get done without, and of course, there's no substances. Right. Right. So this, it's an important thing to actually get done with some clarity and with some level of consciousness um, to really get the full kind of effects of that. And then something like that closes with um, with a, uh, you know, so, uh, some sort of meditation and, and talk and people sharing. Um, so, you know, at that point, when I went to that, I had been suffering from insomnia for maybe three weeks. After one night of that, coming home dripping sweat, it was done. That insomnia was, was over. And hmm. I was like, wow, that was, you know, the $25 or whatever, $20 was worth like thousands in, in therapy. Wow. Um, and, and a lot more fun. And I met a lot more cool people. Cool. That sounds great. And I think that is a really great example of the kind of event that you're showcasing that maybe isn't familiar to every listener, but like, in a certain subculture in New York is like, oh, yeah, cool. It's like something you do regularly. Mm -hmm. um, so going back, th this was the first kind of this, roughly one of the first kinds of or events of this kind that you partook in. What made you want to seek that out? Because I feel that a lot of people in this subculture that we're talking about are seek that out because they're, suffering in some way i think um so this it, it was your question is is spot on because all of this started out of personal desire um creating a personal solution and then sharing that with others um but it was really being uh unsatisfied with the current options um and we have a human need to connect and socialize. Um, and I'm a social person uh, and I like connecting, um, which is a interesting part of me being an introverted extrovert. Mm. But, um, you know, what were the options at that time? Was I going to go uh, to a nightclub where everyone's like just getting drunk, doing drugs, and it's like a scene? Or was I going to go to a bar where conversations are really boring for me? Um just just weren't really the right options and didn't know where to go. And, you know, at that point, it had taken me about three, four years to find my first meditation teacher. I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to ask. Right. So I knew I was searching for things, but I didn't have the type of community around where I could just, now I could just turn around to someone and say, hey, what would be good for X, Y, Z? And I have about 50 answers. Right. Um, what kind of community did you have around you at the time that you felt like you didn't have this answers? If not this kind, what, what more characterized the, your community then? Just standard. Yeah. Um, like regular, just, just regular <laughs> just normies. Yeah. Just civilians. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, uh, just people that were either content with going with things the way they were, or didn't have the time or inclination to, uh, find things against the stream. Hmm. Yeah, normal people. <laughs> cool. So all your normal friends were like, meditation teacher? I don't know one. Sorry, you're on your own, bud. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I started to find, you know, I, I actually did have a friend who she introduced me to my first meditation. It was one friend that I had out of all my friends. She, How did you meet that friend? Uh, she was uh, really good friends with my college girlfriend. Okay. And, um, you know, we've remained friends. She lives in the city and she always told me about meditation and eventually I just came back to her once when I was ready for it and the calling was there and she guided me to a certain teacher, which, you know, getting that start is important. It doesn't matter, right? It's it's progress, not perfection. It's direction, not destination. It didn't matter where I was going. It was a path to start on. And she actually took me to uh, one of my first of these types of gatherings, which was um, which was the Big Quiet, which is a mass meditation held in... Uh, in New York and now starting to go across the country. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, I, this, this kind of theme happens a lot on the show where it's like, you, how did you meet the person who introduced you to what is now your life? And often it's like, yeah, it's someone I've been Facebook friends with for like 10 years and they just didn't pop up in my existence in a bigger way yeah. until I needed them. And then I was like, Oh, I have that one connection or yeah. that one tool. Yeah. Thanks Mercedes. Oh, shout out Mercedes. <laughs> so and, and there, there was a, a second time that really took me deep because I had trouble with meditation in the beginning. Mm. Um, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. Like, I think it, you have to try various types, various forms, and then put your own twist on it sometimes to get that first understanding of it. Once you have that understanding of it, you can you can flow in different ways and start to uh, explore it from different avenues. But getting that first kind of uh, time where you're getting deep is, is very important. That That's what kicks everything off. For me, um, I had another friend, Svetlana, who co-founded uh, uh, Soul Collective with me. She took me to a sound meditation uh, by her friend Guy, who's a very, very talented um, uh, professional, lives in, in New York City. And I didn't have to do anything, right? So I just laid down and I was shook for days. Mm-hmm. Like my life was altered. And, um, you know, luckily it was also very, very serious, very, very good practitioner. And, um, that took me a level deeper where it really strengthened my resolve. That's awesome. Um, so it was sound based, the the first big breakthrough you had in meditating. Yeah, say so. Cool. Um, what was the time frame like from when you started first having these really wonderful uh, like mindfulness experiences until you were like, oh, I, I need th- to start a project around this? Well, I think about six years ago, I started getting heavy into philosophy. Okay. Um, and so this of, is a journey. We're, this, t- we're going back six years. This is definitely a journey. I mean, I was that guy at that party like sitting in the corner with a bunch of, you know, people sitting around them that are like drunk and stoned, listening to me spout off different philosophical concepts and, you know, talking about concepts from uh, the four agreements. And they're all like, whoa. And so I, I, and then I started taking classes at the school of practical philosophy. And, oh, the one at the subway ads? The one that, with the subway Fascinating. Ads. Exactly it. Uh, what did you study in college? International business. Not philosophy. No, I was a psych major. Oh, but, cool. uh Part as part of life changes, right? Which is this is a reversal of life, which we'll we'll get to these changes. Um, I decided no, I just want to make money. I don't really care about anything else. Hmm. So I switched from psychology to international business. And th- do you feel like you feel like that has changed? 
that has changed. Yeah. That, that'll 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 come up when you talk to me about my my decision. Your current decision. We're we're talking about your decision. Are we, we just yeah we okay. we're, we're laying the groundwork. Okay. So the school of practical philosophy. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was philosophy, and then, but I felt like that was a um, like an application. It, it, it wasn't. This was before the ecstatic dance and the this meditation. Before any exposure, understanding, and meditation. Stage one. Even though, yeah, yeah, even though that 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 that's in my family background, it it never was something that I ever was ever really into. Um, this was before that. This was stage one of of trying to understand the world and myself to a different degree. You mentioned your family background. What is philosophy part of your family background? Meditation is my, oh. my father's been a big meditator since uh, since when I ever remember, but it was never really topic of conversation between us. Fascinating. He just he never tried to make you do it as well. Just never really came up. Yeah, and you you and I never really inquired. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big thing with like uh, in in general for like first generation or second generation immigrants right where there's this whole other like health practice in your parents culture that they're like oh well you don't do that here so exactly they they don't, they don't even want to push it on you because yeah. you're doing all this american stuff now and they start to lose some of their own practices right and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you come back 20 years later and you're like hey guys uh what about this ayurvedic medicine <laughs> they're like what I don't, I don't even remember what that is yeah that's so true <laughs> Everyone's eating turmeric now. <laughs> and they're like, oh, forgot that forgot how that tasted. Yeah. Um okay, so we went back on a six year time frame from when you started being interested in philosophy. Then a couple years ago, I guess, you started dipping your toe in the mindfulness, meditation, conscious practice event. Yeah, scene. yeah, because uh, the philosophy, the understanding of things, the um, is one thing, mm-hmm. right? But there's a there's a, a a gap to bridge, and that's knowing things like intellectually, and then actually feeling them, mm. and then being able to actually believe them and really feel them, and that gap is bridged through uh, things like meditation. Totally, and a. Uh- fostering a mind-body connection, right? Exactly. So many intelligent people who know so much about the human brain can't identify the sensations that they've talked about in them, their own selves. Yep. Um, so did anything happen that made you really need to bridge that gap? Well, I guess I started reaching inflection points, which kind of were our like a part of this talk about making a decision of, you know, I was uh, like a marketing executive um, for many years um, looking for more satisfaction, started a startup. It did really well, almost sold it. uh, And then it bombed just as well. Um, Then I started consulting, making a lot of money again, uh, doing X, Y, Z. And I wasn't, I wasn't getting any more fulfillment or any more happiness. And it was just like, where is this going to end? Like, mm. what am I going for? What's the end goal? What is this? You know, and you learn that from working on something like a startup, having it do well, failing, 
going from making a lot of money to being in debt to going back to making a lot of money and then finding no more satisfaction out of any of those situations. Yeah. And you start to really question like, what is the approach here? What, what am I really going for? Um, and uh, that that kind of is what started to lead to that situation. So a few years ago, I started, uh, before I started Oak Digital, my marketing agency, uh, I started volunteering for a bunch of nonprofits, um, you know, uh, here in New York, uh, the Armory, some other, um, Russell Simmons for his nonprofit. He was a friend of a friend. Um, and then they all ended up becoming, wanting more work, more help. Mm. And they became clients. Uh, and then I got a big contract with Angie's List and I started, uh, started my marketing agency. Gotcha. Um, with your primary clientele being nonprofits. Nonprofits was just the beginning portion. It, it definitely wasn't, uh, the majority at that point at gotcha. all. But I, I still enjoy working with them. And, and that's, I noticed that I was getting a lot of, uh, satisfaction out of working with these guys, working on, political and socio impact uh, initiatives, Mm. um, things that I really cared about and could talk about all day. Yeah. Really fulfilling. Um, So the, so, you know, doing that for a few years, uh, now we work with a lot of startups, a lot of different companies. um, But I had been thinking for a while, like, okay, so what do I, what else do I want to do? I want to move out of New York. Like I'm done with New York. Then That's... I went to go, I went to go visit other places. I went to go spend a month here and there in LA, two or three months a year in Greece, all kinds of things. Then I realized again, wherever you go, there you are. Mm. And same, same kind of stuff. There's no perfect place or group or scene or a job or a job. Um, so what did I decide to do? Create, create my own. Um, and so I was creating spreadsheets of these events and things I want to go to. And I'm, I'm like, okay, this is going to be my spiritual program. I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do all the time. I'm going to meet different types of people, have different experiences. And, and I didn't do that. I started doing that finally, um, the end of the end of last year. And, uh, I, I knew I'd wanted to create something. I didn't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in January I sat 30 days of just meditation, just Pretty much a lot of space from everyone and everything. Wait, 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 wait. We need to talk about that more. So starting this past January of 2018? No, of 2017. 2018. Okay. You did a 30-day meditation program. I just I just took 30 days and just meditated a lot. And gotcha. Didn't. You didn't take it off of life. You still did some work and... I did, right. I did okay. some work, but I took space off of all the other shit. Okay. All the other stuff that's going on, right? And it doesn't mean it's negative stuff, but it's just a lot of noise. What made you need to do that? Interactions with, 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 with different people. Like I decided to create space for my brain to see what would happen. And sometime within that 30 days, I said, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm gonna wow. Come. And, 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 and so I'd always been thinking, what exactly is this going to be? Where is it going to go? And I was able to simplify and say, well... That was the life decision, right? So the decision was to start something not for the money. Start something that was going to take a lot of my time, um, some of my money, and a whole lot of mental and emotional energy uh, with zero focus on on money. 
zero revenue model. So was that a big part of your intention? Was it sort of the question of like, what would I do if I weren't worried about getting paid for it? Correct. And did how did you reckon with your the uh, mindset you stated having from before of like, I don't care about any of this. I just want to make money. Well, learning philosophies um, and then starting to study uh, these different spiritual practices over the past few years, you learn that being of service is what makes you happy, right? Um, being of service, getting concentration, being able to pay attention to the mind and its thoughts, and community, sangha, dharma, and seva, mm. right? So how was I able to combine all those things into one? And and this was it, right? And how am I being of service? I'm, there's all these providers and event creators, creating creatives. I'm not a creative in that in that sense of the word. Uh, though this year is unlocked. We're going to talk about that. But all these people struggling to provide these great services to people that are going to help people. And they're struggling to make ends meet, you know, especially living in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these other people who are just lost and floating. And wanting that and experience. And wanting that, right? And like, they get so excited when I invite them to something different, show them something different. So connecting those two I always said, and I thought it was going to be years, but it was only happened to only be a few months. I said, I'm going to connect those two. I'm not going to make money off of this constituent or that constituent. Those are people I'm going to help. From there, we will see what happens. And things have accelerated. Uh, you know, it, the, the revenue was always going to come from other brands who are going to sponsor this. Like, let's take their money. They want to put it towards good things. They want to be associated with good things. Mm-hmm. We'll take their money and fund this stuff eventually. Got it. So it was an eventual revenue model, no immediate plans, but open to the the future, making money from this pursuit. Sure, but not. But the core of the connection, creating community building, no revenue model, and that and needed that. That was very important. And the people I teamed up with all had day jobs or companies where none of that pressure would be on, and we can keep clear intent. Yeah, that's really cool because I. I think um, when we have a big idea, or at least in New York, it's like your your identity and your big thing has to be your day job. It's like, what do you do? And there needs to be one answer. Mm-hmm. But I think you really took a, a beautiful and interesting approach, which is like, keep your day job, uh, do what you really want to be doing, and don't let that part be a discounted part of your identity. Mm-hmm. You can you can feel most identified with what you do on the side and not what you make money by doing. Uh, and that can be even more freeing for that fun side thing. Just inter- it's interesting you say that because the types of events and things we work with are the types of places, the, some of the only types of places I can go in New York City and the first, one of the first three questions is not what do you do? Right. That's that's the only place. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, it's it's... It's the, the, the first questions are, how are you feeling? Like, wow. you know, what, what, like, like, what do you think about this? It's not, what do you do? It's like the biggest br- breath of relief, fresh air. Yeah. That's incredible. I, this is really hitting me in a good place right now. It's <laughs> like, um, the answer to the question of what do you do? If it's something that you dread, having the most amazing dream job in the world is never going to make you dread that question any less. I don't think like, I think you could have the job you 
think is the most amazing sounding one to you right now. And then once you get that job, there's always something better that you feel that you should be doing. Like you said, there's no perfect job. There's no perfect scene. You kind of have to build it for yourself or you just have to be it surrounded by people who accept you for who you show up as and not what you do in the other hours of your life. Well, that that's exactly it. It's all impermanent, right? Yeah. That job, that boyfriend or girlfriend, that set of friends, that set of circumstances is going to change. Yeah, the ones that People you People are going to... to die. Jobs are going to end. Mm. Um, your If your identity is built on happiness coming from any one of those things, you will eventually be very disappointed. Yeah. Um, that's that's the goal. That's like the goal of any one of these uh, kind of spiritual practices to get you to a point where contentment is coming from from the inside. Wow. Ah, I hope that lots of people who listen to this, uh, yeah, have as good of an experience as I'm having right now listening to you talk about it. So once you make this decision after your 30-day meditation uh, semi-retreat, how do you start to put it into action? So it was beautiful. Uh, it was part of my intent with this year and this phase of my life. There was no intellectual thought behind any of it. It was all gut. Uh, all I wanted to do was work with people I really think that they have beautiful souls and energy and do something with them. Um, it's complete opposite of what I've done in the past. It's not, I'm able, because of this way I was approaching this, it was what I've always wanted to do is like put more importance on who I'm doing things with rather than what I'm doing. Hmm. So somewhere in that 30 day period around like day 20 or something, I went to a, a breathwork meditation class at uh, William, William Vale or Williamsburg hotel. One yeah, of those. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and I left just on this high, and I walked over to my friend's place, uh, my friend uh, Sveta, who had introduced me to that sound meditation years back, uh, and I said, this is what I want to do. Uh, I, I had a different name for it. She she thought of this amazing name. Mm. Um, and uh, what do you think? And she was like, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. Here's a chia pudding I just made last night. Have a good night. <laughs> And then I found, uh, I, I was talking with someone else a few days later who had been, uh, uh, I had known in my life for, uh, through other places. And uh, I thought she was just really smart, really cool. And I said, you know, let, you're not, you seem to be figuring out what you want to do next. What do you think of this? She thought it was amazing. Let's do it. And, and, and then there was a, and then a, two days later, I was at a coffee shop and I was working and the guy next to me was coding. And he told me, uh, I left Goldman Sachs. Um, I'm doing my own thing. I'm trying to figure out, get more fulfillment. Wait, it's just in a coffee shop? It's in a coffee shop. Who who talked to who first? Uh, I think I was spying on a screen and saw code being written. And I was like, I need one of you. I was like, yeah, I need one of you. I was like, this was meant to be. This was not a coincidence. This is, so all of this happened within a few days' time. All these different conversations. And I told him what we were doing. And he said, I need... I'm like an introvert. I need to get out of my shell and I'm trying to find more fulfilling things. That's why I left my job and I'm doing my own thing. And wow. uh, let's do it. Yeah. So that all, is so faithful. All beautiful souls, all people that uh, are cooler than me, smarter than me, and just amazing. And uh, I feel very blessed. And it's one of the things I'm grateful for on a daily basis is to get to work with these people. Um, 
So yeah, so that's that's kind of how that happened. That's so crazy. Um, do you believe in the law of attraction? Hundred percent. Okay. Um, so you and at some point in your month in January, uh, started putting out this energy into the world, and then it came at, back at you in the form of a bunch of people. Um, and so, what does it look like after that? Are you all meeting in person? Does it take a while to like coalesce? Yeah, I mean, we're talking, we're meeting in person, uh, maybe once every week or two, talking on the phone all the time. And these were, uh, besides the the new friend, the new developer that joined, were people I'd been kind of talking to every once in a while anyway, so it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And this was something we got very passionate about and really liked talking about and just went along with all of our ethos and our vibes. So we started talking, we played with a bunch of different concepts, ideas, names, kind of said, hey, let's just start with what we think is going to be the most helpful for people keep you know keeping things simple mm-hmm. um start from there and see what happens and you know that that's exactly where we started um it's we're like you know it's new york city people are smart they don't they can find themselves these things themselves if they want it, but it's but it's new york city it's a lot they're, yeah they're so very much. busy and and they don't know you know, we go to these different events, we curate, we see what's good, we meet these different teachers, we meet these different event producers, we go to the events, we see what's 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 kind of enjoyable. And also, we we have a platform. We have a, a Facebook group that we started within three months, like 950 people. And oh wow! so people connect with other people, um, you know, other like-minded people uh, it, for now in New York City, but eventually it'll be wherever. That's something else we're working, can get into, but... Um, you know, they connect with the other people. And so the first easiest offering was the event, the directory, basically, and the community, the Facebook group. Are there any other plans in the works? Yeah. I mean, it's already happening, and I think it's because it's something built out of passion. Um, I, you know, besides expanding to other cities, that was going to happen, I thought, I thought all, all these things were going to start happening a year or two from now, but... Um, some, some hotel developers approaches from Tulum, Wow, uh, a team, you know, this team of people they had built and they said, uh, we want to, we want you to expand down here. So, uh, I went down two weeks ago to get to know them and they're beautiful, beautiful souls. And, uh, we like their ethos and what they're about, but they, you know, also want us to differentiate their hotel. They want us to create for their hotel, what we created for on a platform. Right. Um, and we've been moving a lot from just consciousness of the mind to that in action, to impact. So we're starting to uh, work a lot with events that have to do with, um, that have give back, giving initiatives that are that are impact work, hmm. you know, service-based. But you're still meeting great people. You're still getting, um, getting good dharma out of, the, out of the programming. So you mean you're starting to feature and curate more service-based events instead of necessarily just like um, spiritual, like yoga, meditation, more um, intake modalities. Exactly. And it's a perfect extension of, of it's the same thing. It's, it's connecting people, making people happy, um, which through service is another way that makes you happy. And so we are, we're setting up some great things in Tulum um, uh, with a composting farm, a farm to table restaurant, Taking people out there, teaching them, you know, and 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 helping taking the 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 resources from this hotel 
to sponsor these great initiatives. Some beach cleanups in Tulum. Wow. Yeah. And this all just happened a few months after being up and around. That's crazy. I think that that's a sign that there's a real thirst for this kind of thing in the world right now. Yep. Um, so this must be taking up more of your time than you thought it would be <laughs> earlier in the year when you thought it would be a slow start. Yeah. I mean, with my agency, I made very careful attention to service our current clients uh, at the same level, but I did not focus on expanding. Hmm. Um, it's funny because right after the summer ended, um, which for me is always the, the weekend of Labor Day, um, I said, I am going to turn my attention to Oak Digital for a little bit uh, because we have some more partners coming on and new things going. Um and, uh, you know, I think within a week we had three new clients. Huh. <laughs> so it just shows, you know, where your attention is put. Um, I have a lot of attention, a lot of energy to give. Yeah. And that's where you see the results. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is there any, did it pain you a little bit to have to put your attention back in that direction? And or is there any plan in the future to wind that down and make Soul Collective your main project? Uh, I enjoy the agency. I enjoy taking care of the clients I take care of. Um, you know, I, I think that the two feed into each other a lot. So this work we're going to do with the hotel is Soul Collective is going to be creating the, the, the narrative, the impact partnerships, the impact programming. Um, but when it's time to make that phone ring from a direct response perspective, that's, that's Oak Digital. That's media buying. Facebook advertising, AdWords, my my analytics, my linear expertise. Gotcha. And and I'm also bringing on some um, some really really again better than me rock star partners. Um, that's what this change has become for me this year. Th- making this decision, and and I'm sure this is something that was probably coming up. But what has decision done? It's it's unlocked my creativity. It's unlocked my true ethos. It's brought me 360 back to the way I originally my personality was before I got closed off and hard and decided I needed to take over everything myself. Was I like working with people. Hmm. I, I shine with working with amazing people. Um, it's a strength of mine. And so now everything I do, I'm not like, what can I do? I'm like, what are some amazing people? What should we, you know, what do we feel like doing together? What do you think was the block before that was preventing you from working with people? Like what hardened you? Uh, multiple things. Um, New York City being one of them. Um, you know, when I went first went to college, uh, which was Washington, D.C., I was like, you know, Birkenstocks, playing, my, playing jazz, like I had a music scholarship. Hmm. Um, you know, just, just chill, kind of like, I mean, I was an athlete, but I was kind of also like a hippie at heart, which is never going to change. But like you get, you know, you harden up around for your atmosphere based on what you're seeing. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting at something which I think is like um, it can be really hard to collaborate with people and to open yourself up to people if you don't have this sort of spiritual or gratitude based or intention based practice, because like those communities foster a sense of trust. And I don't know if you're in a mode where you're just like not trusting anyone, you're like, "Mm, everyone's out to get me. 
it can be really hard to like tell people your ideas or trust them to come on and help you with a project or uh, I don't know. You can it's just easy to feel lame, like on onboarding people into your life. It's also easy to feel a sense of scarcity versus abundance. Ooh, let's talk more about that. <laughs> let's talk about it. I mean, I, 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 I don't, it, it's something, um, I don't know if I know how to describe. Um, so it's, I, it probably goes along with the line of another thing that unlocked for me this year was, was creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those things are aligned in some ways, right? Like I picked up my trombone when I was talking about with my original college scholarship for the first time in like 15 years this wow. year. Um, I, I started writing. Um, I actually, maybe I am creative and I just had blocked it for a long time. Yeah. I've had such a similar experience with that in my twenties. Like, what do you think in order to, um, regain these creative practices? Did, what do you think like exactly brought you to that? Did you specifically focus on bringing them back into your life or did it just come up naturally through the mindfulness and it it comes up naturally once you stop thinking about why am I doing this is this making is this going to make me money right right and once that mentality of scarcity Mm -hmm. is gone life becomes much more full wow um, it's also a sense of trust, I think, too. Maybe I'm forcing this on you, but I feel like uh, being creative requires just like a certain sense of trust in the the universe that's receiving it. You're like, oh, if I don't trust anyone, I don't want to show you like the inside of me or like what uh, what's going on in my brain because I'm afraid you'll make fun of it and it won't be cool and uh, there's no way to value it. It's not going to make me any money. There's like uh, no way to validate it if you're requiring validation, but then once you trust the world a little bit more and kind of trust that you can share and it'll be okay. I think that 100% makes sense. That also enables you to, to start to connect with people on a, on a deeper level. Yeah. Which is why the format of some of these types of events we we're talking about earlier is so interesting because the first thing it does is break down barriers. Mm. It's not, what do you do? It's, you know, what are we trying to uh, feel? What are we trying to accomplish in that sense? Right. So you wrote to me this week that you were feeling really inspired and you were excited to do this now. So I'm curious what what happened this week that left you feeling so inspired? So I did just come back from a week ago from, from a week in Tulum. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, a lot of these things I'd laid out for Soul Collective that I thought were going to happen years from now, but that I said this is the vision of of what I think where this need falls, right? And how we could work with, with real estate and other types of companies to um, help change the game, right? Um, we want to... We're building community where... We're helping solve unhappiness and loneliness. Wow. And everything's headed that direction. And 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 I and I was exciting to get that validation that these people came from a whole other country to say, 
what you're doing is amazing. Can you bring it here? And can you help us do uh, something similar in the DNA of our projects? Wow. So that left you feeling just really jazzed and validated? 100%. 100%. That's so cool. That is really cool. Also, I don't know that this seems like a law of attraction thing, but way to like build yourself a side hustle and a passion project that like takes you to the most beautiful and fun (laughs) place to travel in the world. Like a lot of people when they want, you know, you can picture um, a service oriented side project where you're like, I want to help people. I want to like, you know, um, solve loneliness for the people who need it most. I could see that direction taking other people (laughs) to like, sub-Saharan Africa or like India or somewhere that is way less fun to travel than yep. Tulum. But here you are jetting off to Tulum. Yeah. I saw on your Instagram, it looked gorgeous. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. And the, and the people we were down there for were, were pretty great. Um, and, and we're starting to work on similar projects in, in New York and other, other cities around, uh, around the country. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you look at like corporate housing, um, it's lonely. You go mm. to a city, you work there for three, four months, um, you know, and you could always walk into a bar and meet people, but it's a, not the best way to meet people. Uh, and you have no idea what you're getting. Um, with these types of kind of conscious communities, you know, there's some kind of string of, of some sort of conscious intent or work being done by that person who at least understands. And yeah. that, that's just a different conversation. You're starting at a different level when you talk to that person. That's really interesting. And yeah, I I think there is a thirst for this in, like you mentioned, corporate housing, but also just corporate life in general. Like Headspace is really taking off. I think capitalism is realizing that it needs this kind of practice, which is kind of fucked up, but probably good for people who are in this business. Um, Are there any other major major life takeaways that you think never would have happened if you hadn't made this decision? Uh, I think it's unlocking. I think we, we discussed them probably unlocking creativity. Um, it's I'm the conversations I'm having and the people I'm meeting are just, it's just mind blowing to me. I mean, I was totally ready to move out of New York city. If, if this wasn't it, I was gone. There was no question about it. Yeah, but this is like the Band-Aid that all New Yorkers think will fix their lives. I'm very suspicious of the idea of moving out of New York City, even though I have it all the time. It's like, like you said, wherever you go, there you are. Yep. And and, and, and there's just different different shades uh, and different levels. But there is, uh, I mean, if you look at any scene, you look at the Burning Man scene, you look at this scene or that scene, it's just microcosms of the world in general. There's no one group or one place that you're going to find that everyone's just like a certain way. Everyone's nice or everyone's not nice or it's just not. It's just not going to happen. That's going to be everywhere. So the best that I thought think you could do is kind of create communities around certain intentions. And then at least you'll have a, you're still going to have a wave of, different people gradients but at least there's some it's starting at a different level yeah yeah and on that note one thing about new york is like it feels really uh difficult sometimes but whenever you do have an idea like this or you do have um a new ethos you want to 
surround yourself with or really anything you want to do here, just the concentration of people makes it so much easier to do that thing. Like if you were living in, I don't know, Nebraska, and you wanted to start a conscious collective of uh, or platform of events uh, that are intention based, like that might not have taken off so much. Right, right, right. Anything that you want to do here is possible because there's just more people to participate in it. Yeah, people here are curious. They're, you know, they they wouldn't. They're brave people. They wouldn't be coming to New York, braving the the cold, the expense, mm. the harshness that is New York City if they weren't brave and they weren't seeking. Um, the question is, what are they seeking, and uh, can you help guide them? in a way of what they're seeking. Um, and, and, you know, me through my own journey through this, I've just learned about being more collaborative, more, more compassionate, more understanding, um, more open-minded talking to people that normally I would have been, I never would have gotten a chance to talk to. And I love putting those different people in a room and, and I'm learning about different things like plant medicines, um, learning about all kind, being exposed to all kinds of things from all kinds of people. That's great. And this is sort of um this is sort of an open-ended path like because your main mission is just surrounding yourself with new experiences. Any one of these new experiences could be your next big thing. Exactly. That's very cool. Exactly. Any parting thoughts or words of advice? Yeah. Um I think the Biggest change in my life has come, you know, from just set aside some time to do something you're passionate about and 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 pursue that. Uh, your life will change and evolve in ways you can't imagine. Wonderful advice. And if you're having trouble figuring out what you want that to be, maybe try 30 days of meditation. <laughs> yeah. You never know what will happen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you. Coming in, Amit said that... Uh, he thinks that showing up for people is something that you always get more out of yourself. I hope that in showing up for me, you feel like you got a lot out of it. Um, so some some parting thoughts from me and from RFB. Radio Free, Book, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression if you want to donate to that cause, uh, your contributions are welcome and tax deductible at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Specifically, this year we're launching an after-school program for teenagers that'll start in 2019. We want them to learn media literacy and making radio in a hands-on way. If you're interested in donating to that specifically, uh, also tax deductible, of course, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after-school. My theme song is by Nation of Language. Check them out wherever you get your music or at one of their upcoming shows in Brooklyn. Uh, what else? If you're interested in the show, you want to be a guest and share your topsy-turvy life experience, please reach out at asha.radiofreebrooklyn.org. If you are so inclined, go to the Apple Podcast Store and rate and review me there. Um, hmm. I think that's all I got for you guys. Thank you so much for being here again, Amit, and I will be back next week 
the guests I'm really excited about and will be a surprise until then. Thank you. Oh, and um, leaving you guys with some music by my friend James T. Green. <laughs> 